Busy Birds. Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Ganal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Did you know that 25% of the world's chemicals are used for the textile production? Our guest today is a creator, educator, author, and producer. She's also the founder of Beyond the Label that was started as a partnership with TEDxLA to educate people about the true cost of their fashion purchases. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Taryn Hipwell. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. Oh, we're excited to have you here. How did your sustainable journey actually start? So there's kind of two answers. The first answer is whenever I was uh, about 12 years old, I got a D in typing. And my parents had a rule that if you were, um, if you got a D or an F, you were grounded the next nine weeks. And my nine weeks just so happened to be summer vacation. So I asked my mom if she could put the sewing machine in my bedroom because I didn't really want to read all summer. And I have twin sisters. I would take their duplicates, cut them up, make them into new stuff. And that's how I started upcycling and repurposing. Wow. The second story is that I have been allergic to different things related to fabric for many, many years. And I was in a social enterprise academy. And I had students actually ask me to list all of the different things that I'm allergic to. And so... I shared that I would get migraine from the off-gassing of fur because whenever I had my very first real fashion job, I had to cut fur and that wasn't my favorite at all. But then to also get hives and migraines and have a hard time breathing just from this, this fabric. And then even going back deeper, my mom remembered that I could only use Tide and Downy. I mean, my body just decided that Tide was the least of all the evils. And so if I would go over to a slumber party and I would come home wearing somebody else's clothes, I would have hives by the time I got home. Like that's how sensitive I've always been. And so I guess just knowing that I had these weird allergies to certain things, I started to realize that even if other people aren't having these types of allergies, then they aren't even aware of like what their skin might be ingesting. And I'm just much more aware of it because I'm super hypersensitive. Oh, geez. Well, what a journey. And I mean, like you said, a lot of people, we do not know what we actually put on our skin every single day. So you've obviously been in the fashion industry for some time and you've been doing an amazing job to also educate people on what is it exactly what they purchase, because they might not even know what type of cotton or that it is cotton that they're purchasing So why do you think it's really important to actually have that transparency when it comes to fashion for us to actually know what is it we're buying? And you've done a wonderful campaign, the What Is In My Tea, which is fantastic. And I would just 
yeah, love to hear more about that and the importance of the transparency. Sure. So I had a company that was called Eco Divas, and the tagline for that was Hugging Trees and Fields. And it was a way to let women have the feminine and the sustainable all in one place. And from there, we partnered with TEDxLA and became Beyond the Label. And with Beyond the Label and the very first iteration, we did a series of events and they were all based around sustainability and getting Angelinos to understand the health, environmental and social cost of their fashion purchases and actually give them the opportunity to do things more sustainably. Then as the Be On The Label business shifted to become a charitable organization, we called it BTL. And so with BTL, we super simplified it. And all we want to do is get people to ask themselves, what's in my tea? So what, what's it made of? Where was it grown? Who was one of the makers? Like then it kind of Once you start thinking about what it's made of, then you have like this whole thing opens up for you of all the different aspects and elements. And somebody asked me the other day, they were like, okay, so if you're thinking about like a cotton t-shirt, just general cotton t-shirt, what kind of chemicals could be in a cotton t-shirt? And I said, okay, so from seed to skin, you can start with the pesticides And then from there, they're going to bleach it and then they're going to wash it. So there's a detergent. Then they're going to use a mordant to attach the dye to the fiber. Then they're going to have finishing agents. And there's other chemicals in there too. But just within like one t-shirt, there could be at least eight different chemicals being put onto that one item. So when it comes to like really full transparency, And asking the question and why there is a big difference between organic cotton and cotton. And I got to have this amazing conversation recently with Marcy Zara, who she to me is like the queen of all like organic fiber, just information. She just knows all the stuff. And she really did break it down for me that the reason why there's so many chemicals that have to be added to cotton and also so many so much water added to cotton, traditional cotton, is because when you start adding the chemicals to kill the bugs, it also starts to dry out the land. And so if you think of like a little pot that you're going to put some like a seed in and it's just with dry dirt and you try to water it, the water just like rolls off or it goes through a crack and it seeps down through it. So then if you take the whole farming to organic farming and it's done in a completely different way and since there's not the chemicals that are drying out the land and the soil is actually fertile and if you think of like that really nice soil that's moist and you pick it up and you can ball it up and and it's very healthy that's the kind of soil that it it takes less water so then um, not only are there more natural ways to keep the bugs away but you're treating the soil better. You're making sure that the water stays in the soil. So when you pour the water into like that moist soil, it stays in there for longer. And then as it grows, it has like a better chance of thriving. So yeah, just just learning even like a little bit about the farming standards between organic and not organic cotton is really opening up my eyes right now. 
Yeah, because I think when you start looking into this and obviously trying to like just wear more natural fibers that's got less of these chemicals in, it's so much better for you. But also the process of making that T-shirt is a lot cleaner. And one of the things with the textile industry as well is when we look at like textile dyeing and treatments, you know, that accounts for a very large number of industrial water pollution. Can you share a little bit more about this? Sure. There's a film called River Blue, and it was started from the idea of seeing a Google Earth shot. And in India, there was a literal blue river and not blue like water blue, but like dyed like denim because there were unregulated dye being dumped into the Ganges River, which is meant to be sacred. And not just the dyes, but, you know, foam will also be like coming down from the detergent. So it's really heartbreaking to know that there are companies that choose to ignore the guidelines that are set up for them and just try to get away with things or whatever they can so that they don't have to be responsible. And, and even like years before that movie even came out, there was a saying that, you know, the colors for next season's fashion by the colors of the rivers in China. So there would be literal red rivers in the middle of China. And I try to explain to people that I'm actually more of a humanist before even being an environmentalist, because I know that that dye is wrecking the actual environment and the the different things that grow inside of the river. And the Ganges River at this point is considered a dead river. Nothing can grow in it. No fish, no like plant life, nothing. And For me, I'm more of a humanist because when I think of where that water is going and who is drinking from that water and the ramifications, then like it just amplifies. I'll go back to like when you asked me the the very first question of like, how did I get on this path? Well, there was also one other thing that I share often too, which was I was watching a film for a film festival and I was one of the um, film festival film pickers. (laughs) So, for lack of a better word. I was also one of the film festival producers too. And when we were screening some of the films, one of the films talked about how there was a group of people that were suing a cotton company because the pesticides were running off of the farm into the water. The water was going into the communities and 12 and 13 year old kids were drinking from the water fountain and getting leukemia and cancer. And it was cheaper for the company to pay off the deaths and medical bills than to change the product. And I'm not like an angry activist, but that stuff makes me like say a lot of swear words in my head because it's like it's so messed up. It's just so messed up. Because that's when when someone look at a price tag. I always think that we need to consider that as part of that price tag. I might decide to buy from a sustainable gene company and pay a hefty price tag in the beginning to actually get that uh, sustainable product. Whereas a lot of other people might think, you know, I'm going to support a fast fashion brand that I pay a very cheap price tag. But then all along the way, you find there's a lot of people paying for that product that you are wearing that you're not paying 
but they paying actually a really expensive price for that. And they paying, like you've mentioned, you know, children having leukemia, you've got soil that is being destroyed. Also the workers, you know, if you just look at like Rana Plaza with the tragedy that actually happened there. So each and every single person along that production line actually paid also for your cheap product. So always kind of ask yourself, what is that price tag? Really, do you want to bear a lot of the cost or are you okay for other people to suffer along the way to actually pay for your fast fashion item? It's such a big conversation. And I'm also grateful that Fashion Revolution really has taken on exposing what happened in Rana Plaza. There were fires recently. They are usually the first people to get the word out. And because they're now a global organization around the world, it's amazing because that support actually helps when something bad happens to get it rectified and to call it out and to get the big brands to really start cleaning up their act and being more responsible. Because it is a massive undertaking. Let's say they've been working with one particular vendor for like years or one manufacturer for years, but their health codes are not up to par. The way they're treating the workers are not great. So trying to figure out how to, from the very beginning, get brands to line up with like there's a, a company called Suchi Inc. that is doing really amazing like fair trade level production in Jersey. And then there's like my friend Marcy Zaroff is doing Yes And, and she's going to be doing some clothing production in, I believe it's West Virginia. And then over in New York, there's another one, LA Relax. Dana has another part of her company where she makes clothes too. So it's great to know that there are people that not only are taking on making a better product, but giving a better story with each product. Because when you really do truly know where everything has been sourced and you can share that with the person that's buying it, they can really take that and and feel empowered by it. Definitely. And I feel also, you know, it's not just the process of how it's made. Now I buy it. But we also need to look at the full circle. That brings me to like circular fashion. How would you define circular fashion? What does it mean to you? It's interesting. With circular fashion, a lot of things come up for me because there are so many different like lanes to play in the fashion industry. So circular could look like clothes that are going to be reworn, worn, reworked, remade, redistributed. And then when they do come to end of life, then they can still be like ground up and the fabric can be made into something new. There's a company called Evernew, which is finding a way to take cotton poly blend and basically like dilute it down to make it into another fabric again. So the idea is just to keep something from having to go to waste the longest like way possible. And it's starting from the very beginning of thinking about exactly what raw materials you're using and the whole process and then how it's going to be able to be recycled, reused or like redone in a way that it doesn't go to landfill. And it's pretty amazing because 
there's now crop waste. So there's farmers that do sugarcane, banana trees, pineapple, and they have all this crop waste that's left after going through the fields and taking all the, the fruit and the sugarcane out. And that stuff just sits there and rots and it gives off CO2 and it's not like a, a healthy thing. And it can also breed mold and have rats and all that kind of fun stuff. And so the fact that there is a company called AgriLoop that decided that they're going to go and gather up that crop waste and use the fibrous threads and make it into a fabric and not only a good fabric, but there's a high impact, like high intensity, like workout gear, essentially. And the fact that they can find the strength in the fiber to make these amazing fabrics and they can do it in a way to start edging out some of the polyester. So I know myself, I'm on an kind of unsaid, but it's just my jam mission to get polyester fabric to be reduced because even a statistic that I heard from Fashion Revolution just what last week that not only is it 60%, but it's two thirds of all fabric is wrinkle release and polyester and it's made from petroleum so not only am i not a fan of people wearing petroleum but i am a fan of these crop waste fabrics being able to replace them being able to either be wrinkle free or be able to have bleeding but it's amazing because it's fabric science that is finding ways to take natural fibers and have them react in a way that only polyester up until now could act. So it, it's a really unique time right now with the amount of innovations that's happening in, in fabrics. That's amazing. I mean, there is definitely so many new companies popping up with these great initiatives. And I'm super excited to actually see a lot more coming as well in the future. But when we, like we've discussed quite a few intense stuff that's wrong with the fashion industry right now. If I were to kind of give you a magic wand today and say, you know, you can change anything of the fashion industry today, what would you decide to change and why? The way people shop for clothes, just the whole thing. I mean, I know that I have not shopped like a normal person forever, like probably 10 years. And since I'm highly sensitive, I shop by like fabric first and what doesn't make me itchy. And it's really interesting because even like three years ago, I realized that I was, I was kind of like contemplating, I'm like, okay, how come I do well with healthy new clothes that are made without a lot of pesticides? But also I do okay with vintage. And I realized when I get vintage clothes or something at a clothing swap and I wash it, all I have to wash out is that person's chemistry, like their body chemistry and their detergent, because it's been washed enough to wash out all the heavy metals and the pesticides and all of the other terrible things that would have been in the original garment. And I say this where I'll go into, let's say, an H&M, and I do give them gold stars on occasion for incorporating sustainable fabrics, but still, I also am honest enough to say when I go into one of their stores, I get migraines and very sick to my stomach, and I can only last like about 15 minutes in a store because I'm sensitive to the off-gassing, and it really bums me out. 
And I know that was a long tangent, kind of sideways, but I will say one of the other things, because I did want to share about one of my new ventures, and I was recently named the chief sustainability officer for an online platform. And it is going to be a way to share clothes in a totally different way. So it's a market that brings conscious consumers together with impactful apparel, following the golden rule, setting a standard in sustainable fashion, which at the moment, I feel like some people are losing trust because they just don't necessarily know what to believe or who to believe. And so I've got to know a lot of people on the fabric side, on the manufacturing side, some designers that are just absolutely incredible. And we want to create the most trusted, feel-good fashion site. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I'm excited to help to launch the most sustainable fashion feel-good site in a marketplace where people can trust the brands that we choose to put on it. And we are currently looking to get as many people to sign up for the wait list because as we're setting everything up and getting the business ready to go, we want to be able to show that there is a market for it. So the more people that we can get to sign up for it, then the more people get to shop sustainably really easily without having to do all the homework because we do the homework for you. And I love doing the homework. So it'll be, it'll be fun for all of us and we'll share it with you in like fun ways too. So that is at forthefield.com and there's, yeah, a little tab that just says waitlist and you won't get spam, but we just want to make sure we can get out as much information to anybody that is interested in this because I think it's going to be a game changer. I'm definitely going to link that up. I signed up last night. So crazy birds, please just like sign up. And I'm looking forward to receive more and more details. And obviously, you know, if people are in in the market for new items, it's great to actually know which places they can trust and which places they can't. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of greenwashing just like everywhere in the fashion industry. Some, like I would call them little green monsters. And it's become hard to actually distinguish which brands are actually going that extra mile to really be sustainable versus the other companies that's really just doing a bunch of like BS but adding a hefty price tag because now it's sustainable. So is there certain ways or little tips that you can give us how we can easily distinguish between some of these companies, like who's the green monsters and who's actually the good guys? Well, the one thing that I would say, and I'll even give props to Greenpeace Detox, there is a push for brands to be very transparent and to share as much about their backside of the making of the clothes as possible. Now, for some companies, this isn't that easy and they can do blockchain to share information and keep it private, but verify that they are following certain criteria. But for the most part, like, yeah, the easy way to figure out if a brand is like really saying and doing what they're saying and doing is to have it be literally written out on the site, not using like any greenwashy words that they're very like specific. And that's one thing, if the more specific they are, let's say that there's a brand that really wants to combat 
microfibers in the ocean. And so they're choosing to only use a certain kind of fabric. There's a technology right now that's been developed that helps to keep the thread from breaking. So it actually reduces breakage. And so, yeah, just being able to like pair, partner yourself up with things that you believe in, but just look to make sure that they're not just, let's say, partnering up with an organization and saying, hey, we're going to give some donations to this charity over here, but we're really not changing our product. What we want to see is we're changing our product and we get to learn firsthand from this organization we're partnering up with because they're the ones that are out in the oceans collecting the microfibers. So on our side, we're actually like switching our thread and doing this, this and this. It's a lot of homework. That's that's why the marketplace is going to be fun because we'll be able to like, like reduced version of all the homework that you'll find on some of the sites. Making our life easy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I think even last week I heard the term hyper transparency and they listed like reformation and Eileen Fisher, Everlane. I feel like there was one other one. But when you go to their site, it's just such a different experience. Outer Known is another one. It's just such a different experience than going to like an uber fast fashion. So it's, it's crazy that we have like on one side, a term that's hyper transparency and on this other side that there's like uber fast fashion. So there's a lot in between. If you can get some that lean, you know, more towards the good stuff, that's the best. And I used to teach at FITM. I would have my students bring in something they had drawn in a class. So it would be anything from like a shoe to ladies intimate wear to a gown to uh, like sportswear. And I would tell them, um, okay, think about this in a way of what kind of fabric you think that this could be made of, what certifications should it have, what organizations should they line themselves up with, what types of processes should they have. And it's really interesting because it, like now that I can compile a good amount of designers that have different missions, but equally as high certifications in the lane that they're playing it's really fun so yeah there's a lot out there there really is and you've also published a book which is called how to shopped for I don't know if it is it shift or is it shit <laughs> it's got a very interesting title which I absolutely love <laughs> So my best friend was like, she could see on my face that I was like kind of frustrated this one day. And I was like putting all this stuff together. And she's like, what do you want to accomplish with it? I'm like, I just want to teach people how to shop for shit. Like, I just want to teach them how to shop. Like, and she was like, okay, cool. So, so there's your title. And I was like, how to shop for shit. She's like, yeah. And then on the drive home, like two days later, I started giggling to myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, if we like squeeze a little F in there and switch it to how to shop for shift, then we can put this little like log line underneath and it says why, because we give a F pointing to the F that we squished in there. And I was like, oh my God, my boy brain is so happy right now. Oh, that's <laughs> and amazing. I have, like fabulous like giggles with myself all the time and I get along with people at Comic-Con. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, I used to be the trash lady at Comic-Con wearing my trash suit and everyone brought me oh. their trash, which was quite an interesting journey. Whoa, that's neat. I did not know that. That's cool. 
yeah, a little fun fact for everyone. <laughs> but yeah, so what can people actually expect when they read your book? So it, the first iteration was about two and a half years ago. And when we did it, we had noticed that there were shopping habits and different shopping lanes. And I keep saying lanes over and over again, but really that's what it is about today. People would shop in different lanes. So let's say you would shop at the mall, you would shop on Amazon, you would shop at boutiques, you might shop when you're on vacation and get like those little trinkets and stuff like that. So we broke up like different ways of shopping and shared insight as to kind of reevaluating what it is that you're looking for. So like, let's say you're on vacation, instead of just going to the place that sells you like the, you know, Chinese crap that is underpriced and, but actually finding like a village where there's some handmade and crafts made things. Sure enough, like I was on a cruise, got off in Haiti for like six hours and I spent two of my hours in a really cool store that Tom's had put together and they had brought together all these local artists to be able to sell their goods alongside Tom's shoes. And it was so beautiful. I was so excited. And so it's just, yeah, that it gives you like different ways to shop and then on top of that, there's a section where we list a lot of the organizations just to get you familiar with who's out there. So as I was mentioning earlier, Fashion Revolution is this amazing global organization. There's another one called Common Objectives. For the larger brands and smaller brands, there's Sustainable Apparel Coalition, the Greenpeace Detox Campaign, just so you can kind of have an idea of like who the game players are. And then I just picked some of my most stylish friends and had them write out how they shop because each one of them has different shopping habits. Some of their shopping habits overlap. So you could see through, I would say out of 10, seven of them all said, we love to thrift, save up our money and then spend it on something special. And I thought that was just something that I did. And it was really fun to see that that's what they do also. Because then like if you do clothing exchanges and you kind of mentally catalog like, okay, I didn't spend a whole bunch of money here. So then I can have this like virtual piggy bank on the side and like earn enough money to get a pair of $100 like Karayumi or Allbird tennis shoes that are just, you know, sustainable and super awesome. Just, just to give people different types of tips on how to shop in different ways. That sounds really amazing. And I hope some of our crazy birds learn how to shop for a shop full shift. <laughs> I did want to mention the Middle East Youth Expo, which was last week. And I had an opportunity to speak in Abu Dhabi. And it was amazing because our very first panel, we only thought we were going to have like maybe 50 people ended up having close to 100 because there were some students that had to leave and go to like different things. And there was a line of people to the side and they would fill in the seats again. And we had the best questions. And then there was a second panel, that one I was moderating. And then the other panel, it was small, but it was amazing because that moderator was like, you know what, we're doing this Q&A style. You guys get to have like literally, literally like this is a mentorship training. You can ask whatever you want to. And it was myself and Kyle from Indosol and get your answers, your, your answers from them. And so 
not only did they have the best questions, but we had an opportunity to talk to them and ask them questions because one of the questions was, is if a mom um, needs to buy clothes, is it affordable or do you have affordable options? And I mentioned that there are clothing rental for baby clothes. And there's also secondhand stores that are doing baby clothes online also. And one of the young women that was in the audience, she explained to me that in her culture, they're not really allowed to do like secondhand clothing shopping without permission from their parents because it's looked down upon as being poor. I'd heard of this in Latin cultures, but, you know, it was still like the first time I was learning this from her. And I said, well, by any chance, have you ever thought of you taking like a bag of your clothes and maybe getting like five of your friends and bringing all your clothes together and then exchanging them and doing a clothing exchange. And they're like, yeah, we do. I'm like, Oh, that's so <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's like, amazing. Stars all around. I was so happy to hear that. I got to meet the coolest people there. I'm so excited to stay in touch with many of them. I'm even learning a lot about modest fashion. And I'm happy to say that there are modest fashion designers that are using sustainable and starting to incorporate sustainable fabrics into their lines. So in addition to speaking at the conference, I had an opportunity to go to the Dubai Lit Fest where they were launching a modest fashion book. Oh, wow. For me, living in the Middle East for about seven years, it's a place that's very, very close to my heart. And, you know, to actually see the changes that's been made in the last few years has been phenomenal. And I'm super excited to actually see more changes coming to that region, just for people also demanding, you know, that they want sustainable fashion. With the Expo 2020 happening this year, I actually had them on the podcast as well. So Crazy Birds, if you want to hear more about the Expo, you can listen to Dina Mustafa. But, you know, it's really, really fantastic to see that they are trying to go that extra mile and that sustainability is becoming more common and is, you know, people are asking about that. So that's fantastic. I'm so grateful that you had such a great experience and sad that I wasn't on the panel. I was supposed to be on it, but... And I actually talked to you and I got to meet one person in particular. Her name is Maria Idrizi and she was the first H&M model to wear a hijab in the ad. And she's my new best friend. But yeah, you were missed, like Aww. genuinely. I I was so happy when we first got a chance to talk when it was meant to be in November. But now we're talking today. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm so excited as well. Awesome. So what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? My most recent decision that I made is now that I have an expendable income where I can buy clothes and I've always shopped this way. I've always shopped fabric first and looked for fabric because of my high sensitivity level. and so really investing in clothes that are just healthy fabrics. I really came to a conclusion that it makes me happy knowing that I'm buying like a clean clothing item versus a single use plastic clothing item. And I say it like that to relate it to how people think with food. And on top of that, I know when it does become a secondhand item that it's going to be a non-plastic secondhand item and it's going to last longer than the other ones. It's going to biodegrade at the end of its life. So 
yeah, as far as like circular thinking, I'm even thinking of after it leaves my hands and goes into many other hands and uh, like once it does make it to the ground that it's going to disintegrate. I like to refer to that as like pre-cycling. So you need to pre-cycle before you actually buy it and don't just focus on the recycle because we all know recycling is not always the best answer. So check if there's not better ways to actually have a second life for your clothing after you've had it. Now we are going to move into our final five. The first one is what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Eco Warrior Princess. Cool. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? That humans will take responsibility to clean up their act because the earth is going to be here long after we are. Definitely couldn't agree with you more on that one. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Well, this is an interesting thing. I don't typically talk politics, but specific to this week, there are a lot of Bernie rallies around the U.S., so we'll go with that. Awesome. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? Oh, my goodness. This is funny. I actually get nervous whenever I tell people that I do sustainable fashion and their very first response is, oh my gosh, I wear a lot of cotton. (laughs) And I'm like, oh no, I don't know you well enough to make you cry yet. So (laughs) honestly, I don't have an answer for that because I'm so good at these kinds of conversations where when it's somebody that actually wants to know the the information from me. So I don't know, maybe I, I... probably have this thing where I try to get them to ask me questions because I never want to tell them what to do. I want to let them know what is possible. Awesome. And where can people actually find you? They can find me at LA Beyond the Label. There's a TarynHipwell.com. The Instagram and Facebook is LA Beyond the Label. And for the feel com is where to sign up and register for the wait list as we are going to be launching in the near future. Awesome. Well, we're going to definitely link all of those up for our crazy birds. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've had such an amazing time speaking to you and I can probably spend another hour or two talking fashion, how to shift. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And just keep on doing what you're doing. It's making such a difference. Yay. And something just popped into my head that Fashion Revolution Week is coming up in April. So no matter what city or town you're in, see if you can find a event or something to go to or participate in. And if there's not something in your town, there'll be some online things happening. And yeah, Fashion Revolution has such a great voice and they're very patient and they're very good at educating at like the simplest levels without feeling overwhelmed like I it's interesting with how to shop for shift I make people giggle and with them they give like very clean facts so yes awesome well we'll definitely check that out thank you so much and that's a wrap thank you so much for listening you can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska 
on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com and let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.